Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central, and it starts right now. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Sports Unlimited right here on Southern Sports Central. My name is Brandon Biscobing, and I have three hours jam-packed worth of great sports talk content this morning. And not only do I have a bunch of great topics to talk about this morning, but I've got some huge guests this morning as well. Starting it off at 8 o'clock, we'll stay right here on the Grand Strand, just go right up the road up to North Merrill Beach High School. Two, starting off each of the subsequent hours are going to be two huge recruits that made their decisions, made their commitments this week. At the 8 o'clock hour, it will be Zane Smith, the North Merrill Beach kicker punter slash punter who committed to Florida State. He will be a Seminole next year. At 8.30, we'll go out to the Midlands, go talk to Lou Bejack from the state. And at 9 o'clock, at the top of the 9 o'clock hour, we will go out to Ridgeview and talk to Antonio Gaines, defensive lineman, who he committed to Charlotte just yesterday. So two huge recruits who made their commitments this week. We'll talk to them, get all their thoughts on their commitments, where they're, what they, they're doing moving forward. And at least for Antonio... We'll also talk to him about what he plans to do in his senior season since he still has a year left at the high school level over in Ridgeview. So lots of stuff to talk about this morning. And as always, if you guys want to call on in, if you want to get your thoughts on anything sports trade, be sure to do so. That number to call, 323-784-9681. That number again, 323-784-9681. But before we get to the high school ranks, before we get to some local stuff, we're going to kick it off with one of the big news stories of the week. Obviously, a lot of things happening this week, a lot of things to cover, and we're going to try to get through as much as we can this week. 
Opening day started yesterday. Some big NFL news this week. Uh, although the NFL news, we kind of had a feeling it was going to come this week. But it is now official. I'll give more of my thoughts. Give my thoughts on it a little bit last week. But give more of my thoughts on it now that it's official. Uh, Roy Williams retiring. We got the Clemson spring game this weekend. Lots of cover this morning right here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. But like I said, we will kick it off talking about the Final Four. And before we get to the Final Four, get before we get to the current games, I'll just kind of break down the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight for both uh, tournaments. We'll start off with the women uh with the women's tournament, uh, the Final Four matchups, Stanford against Missouri State. First off, the fact that Missouri State, as a five seed, uh, was able to make it into the Sweet 16, good on them, good job uh, on their part. Had a little help because Wright State pulled off the big upset uh, in the first round beating Arkansas, the four seed. So they had a little bit of an easy road, but still nice seeing the mid-majors getting up to that level. But they came up against the juggernaut, which is the number one seed, Stanford Cardinal, and they beat them pretty handily. Not really surprising there. Uh, Louisville and Oregon, while Oregon has been a good women's team uh, year in and year out, this year, not quite as good as normal. Were a six seed, uh, but they were able to beat Georgia, who was a who was a three seed in the second round. But they also came up against Louisville, who you know they just they just dominated. And then Stanford moving on past Louisville, not really surprising there. Same thing, not no real surprises over uh, in that bracket. Same goes for the other side of that bracket. Uh, UConn beating Iowa. You know, Iowa as a 5C being able to beat Kentucky in the second round, that's a good win for them, but then had to go up against the juggernaut that is UConn, and they were being pretty handily. Uh, Baylor were able to beat Michigan to move on to the second round. That was a good game, but again, Baylor losing to uh, UConn in a close one. Baylor did a good job, and, um, you know, I'll talk about this a little bit later, but the comments made by the Baylor head coach, I I get the sentiment to an extent, but, and I've mentioned it, I've kind of known that this was the, tr- the, the trajectory we were headed uh, all the way back in August. The you know this fact the the fact that where where we're at now, uh, and she's saying oh we we shouldn't be testing to make sure that the you know that nobody misses an opportunity. Yes, I agree with that to an extent, but the, you still need to be safe. I'll talk about what we've heard about that situation in just a little bit. Uh, but let me go through the remainder of the games uh, for both Sweet 16s before we get to that. 
Going over to the lower side of the bracket, South Carolina beat Georgia Georgia Tech in what I was honestly expecting to be a much closer game. Uh, obviously, Georgia Tech having local standout Loyal McQueen, she's going to get to this point again. She's one of the best players in, in the country right now. Uh, Georgia Tech, under her leadership, they're going to make it they're going to make it to an NCAA tournament final by the time she's done. I'm just going to say that point blank. They're going to make it to, to at least the final four before she's done because she's already a freshman and already she's leading the team to sweet 16. But of course, South Carolina is still one of the best teams in the country. Texas has a six seed, you know, not only being able to beat UCLA, uh, in the second round, who was the three seed, but then also being able to beat the number two seed Maryland, well done on them. They had a great season, but they also came up against South Carolina and they got destroyed, sixty-two thirty-four. So that moves on to the final. And then in the final bracket, we got Indiana being able to beat NC State, which was very impressive. Uh, Indiana, obviously known as a basketball school, uh, primarily on the men's side, but the women's side is starting to come up big, too. And in Arizona, we're able to beat Texas A&M uh, in, the, in the other Sweet 16. So the, the three and four seed in that bracket, moving on to the Elite Eight in Arizona, being able to beat Indiana uh in the in the elite eight. So that's the final four uh for the women's bracket and I'll talk about I'll give you my predictions for those games in just a little bit. We'll move over to the men's side uh and talk about the sweet sixteen and the elite eight for the men. Gonzaga and Crane I I saw Gonzaga winning that game. I'm not surprised at all that Gonzaga was able to win that game. Uh, but Crean put up a fairly good fight. Not all that close, but fairly decent. Uh, USC beating Oregon again. That was another one, especially after USC was able to beat Kansas pretty handily. I I saw that one coming. You know, I yes, Oregon was able to beat Iowa fairly handily as well, but Iowa I think was overranked anyway. I I thought. Oregon, or I thought Iowa was overranked in that anyway. And then Gonzaga being able to beat USC, not all that surprising there. So that's the West. Moving over to the Southern region, Baylor beating Villanova, or excuse me, Baylor being Wisconsin, or no, excuse me, I was right the first time. Baylor being Villanova, not all that surprising. Villanova kind of lucked out. You know, they they were able to beat Winthrop. I I expected that. But then the fact that they didn't have to face Purdue, that North Texas pulled off the upset in the first round, that gave Villanova an easier route to the Sweet 16. But then they had to face off against the number one seed, Baylor. So all that. I, I saw Baylor winning that game with without 
Colin Gillespie being on the court for Villanova. If Colin Gillespie was on the court for Villanova in that game, it would have been a completely different story. I think Villanova would have been able to win that game. But without him, no chance. On the other side, Arkansas were able to beat Oral Roberts. Not really all that surprising there. Uh, You know, Oral Oral Roberts had a great run, and they came close. It was 72-70. That was a great game. And Oral Roberts can hang their head high after that great, great season they had. Being able to, you know, beat Ohio State, beat Florida. But, you know, just couldn't quite beat Arkansas. And then Baylor beat Arkansas, not really all that surprising there either. Going down to the east, Michigan beat Florida State, not really all that surprising there. Uh, The bit, well, to a lot of people it was a surprise, and it was one of the best, well, we thought it would have been one of the better games, but it was kind of a blowout to an extent at least. Uh, but UCLA being able to beat Alabama in the Sweet 16, I predicted that last week. I thought UCLA would beat Alabama. And and this just further proves that, you know, I think Alabama was overranked too. I think it was more based on the name uh, with because of football more than anything they did on the basketball court this year. Don't get me wrong. They had a great season. They played very well, but if it were someone else, I think they would have been ranked a little lower, but that's just me. But UCLA were able to beat them and move on to the Sweet 16. And not only that, then they were able to beat Michigan to move on to the Final Four. That I was not expecting. That I was not expecting at all. I thought they would make it to the Elite Eight, but I thought Michigan would have enough to beat them. And that that was a great game. It was a very defensive game. 51-49, UCLA winning. But that was a great game. Moving over to the final bracket, Midwest. Well, Chicago's great run comes to an end. What's even more surprising about it is they got beat by a lower-seeded team. Oregon State, a 12 seed, being able to make it to the Elite Eight. Great season for the Beavers. Great season for Loyola Chicago as well. You know, the the, leg, the legend of Sister Jean. But just they just could not quite get enough to, to keep it going. They had a great game against Oregon State, but just could not quite keep it going. And then on the flip side... Houston beating Syracuse. I was not... I was thinking Syracuse had a chance there. But Houston just too, too much. And then Houston beating Oregon State as well uh, to reach the Final Four. So there are your Final Four teams uh, for on the men's side. So first, before I get into the Final Four and, and give you my predictions, I just wanted to talk about this real quick. Earlier this week, uh, during a press conference, Mark Emmert, and like I mentioned, 
it was already kind of referenced. People were talking about it. Uh, you know, the the Baylor head coach or the 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 Baylor women's head coach mentioned it. Mark Emmert says teams would forfeit if there is a positive COVID test. Now, I don't know if the testing is done yet or if they're going to test, you know, the women's Final Four happens tonight. The men's Final Four happens tomorrow night with the women's national championship occurring on Sunday and the men's occurring on Monday. So I don't know if the testing, I'm assuming the testing isn't done for the men. The women, not sure if they're doing one final test today or not. But if this is really the policy, and if if a team gets a positive COVID test sometime over these next few days, they forfeit? That's just flat-out stupid. Stupid, stupid Final Four. You can push the... You can push, even if it's... Even if it's the Final Four. Even if one of the four teams gets it. And they have to postpone. You can push it back. Yes, I understand, you know, they have fans there. And they don't want to have to worry about that aspect of things. Easily, you know, you're going to have to give refunds and, and whatnot for those ga- for a game anyway if you have to forfeit. But why tarnish what has otherwise been a great tournament? They, they've been able to do it perfectly well. And on top of that, the the venue in which you are using, it's not like Lucas Oil is going to be used for anything else in the in the near future. Yeah, so if you push it back a week or two, or you know, whenever you want to do it, if you push it back a week, it's not going to make any difference other than for fans. But that. You know, you're going to have to absolutely ridiculous. Now, hopefully this is all just, you know, us talking. Hopefully this is all just speculation and nothing happens and we get through this smoothly and all of that. But to tarnish a great tournament that has gone off without a hitch for the most part obviously obviously you've had some issues not nothing huge but to tarnish it with something like this it would be a disgrace and mark emmert is already on you know is on, is already under the gun because of the NIL stuff and the players have been emboldened and, and you know, the, the you know, not, uh, not NCAA property stuff and, and, and uh, all, all of that stuff. The, the stuff that has gone on during the tournament when it's come to that, 
uh, you know, and, and the ongoing struggle with that. If this happens, and unfortunately, and, and this goes for all commissioners, unfortunately, it seems like it doesn't matter. But the NCAA, it seems like it's even worse because the NCAA, while technically they are supposed to be under the jurisdiction of the president of the universities and the president of the university that are supposed to be the ones that are really making the decisions, it seems like the NCAA, at least the way they run right now, seems to have carte blanche to do whatever they want. And that's not good if if you're wanting to uh, appear to be the good guys, especially with the way they've been handling things. But like I said, hopefully this, everything goes smoothly and this is just us analysts and those of us in the sports media world just talking about it and worrying about it. And it doesn't happen. But if it does, then you have to put an asterisk next to this national championship. Because you don't know. You don't know what could happen. It's not March Madness for nothing. So, especially with with, with the logistics around it and everything, just just stupid if if this does happen. Point blank. With that being said, let, let's talk about the Final Fours. We'll start off on the women's side. This starts tonight. First matchup, which starts in a little under uh, a little under twelve hours, is Stanford against South Carolina, and I think this one is going to be the better of the two games because both of these teams are very good teams. Both of them play very strong, I but I think South Carolina is going to have enough to beat Stanford and move on to the national championship game. On the flip side, you got UConn and Arizona. I think UConn has that one in the bag. Arizona is going to put up a good fight, but this is UConn we're talking about. And then the national championship, South Carolina versus UConn. Don Staley against Gino Auriemma. That's going to be a good matchup. That's going to be a very good matchup. Uh, but I'm gonna, I, I have to go with UConn uh, in that one. UConn is just head and shoulders above everyone else, it seems, when it comes to women's basketball. So there are my predictions for the women. On the men's side, Gonzaga and UCLA. This is a very good one. This is... This is going to be a very good matchup. And while on one hand, I would say, okay, you know, Gonzaga has it. Gonzaga has it in the bag. Don't discredit UCLA at all, especially considering what they did to Michigan. Yes, it was a close game, but... As we've talked about, defense wins championships. 
and UCLA was able to stifle Michigan's offense. Only 49 points. Especially in today's basketball, you ne- even in college, you never see that. You never see under 50 anymore. That's very impressive. Especially when it comes to a game that big. Yes, you'll see, you know, let's actually go through this real quick. You know, in the games that, in the NCAA tournament this year, what were the games that a losing side scored less than 50? The only other game, now you had you, Ab, Abilene Christian in, in Texas. Abilene C- Christian was able to beat Texas 53-52. They came close. And that was a great game. You know, and, and that's why Abilene Christian was able to pull off the huge upset was because they were able to stop Texas's offense. But that's not what we're looking for. We're looking for under 50 points. The only game, and this is one of those that, you know, you expect it. The only game that a team was team scored under 50 points was Drexel against Illinois at 49. And that's a 1-16. in 16. That, You expect that. You expect to see that uh, in a game like that where you're expecting a blowout. game besides the Elite Eight game against a number one seed, Michigan, that a team scored under 50 points. That's That just shows you how good UCLA's defense is. And UCLA, looking, you know, looking back at on the other games, you know, Alabama was able to score a lot of points. That was a high-scoring game. Oh, excuse me. Um, UCLA did it again, did it a second time actually as well. They were they were able to uh, hold Abilene Christian to under fifty at forty seven. But again, that's another that's another lower seed team. Yes, they were able to beat Texas. They were able to pull off the upset against Texas. But it's a lower seed team. You kind of expect. And yes, they had to play pro basketball against Alabama. They could not play a stifling defense against the Crimson Tide, but they still were able to pull off the upset. So, I I don't know. Call me crazy. Call me crazy if you want. But I am seriously considering leaning towards UCLA pulling off the upset here. Do I think it happens? I'm not sure. But with how well UCLA has been playing and showing that they can play either way, I think I'm going to pick UCLA. I think UCLA pulls off the upset and moves on to the national championship game. On the flip side, Baylor and Houston, I think I got to go with Baylor on this one. I think I think Baylor uh wins that one. So UCLA and Baylor 
UCLA against Baylor. Ooh, that's a tough one. For the national championship game. I I think Baylor will win it out and win the national championship. So there are my predictions for the Final Four and national championship game. Baylor wins it on the men's side. UConn wins it on the women's side. I'll take a quick break and come right back. And then we'll, uh, I'll have some more, uh, some more talk, uh, some more things to cover, uh, lots of things to cover this morning, both on a national level and on a more, on a local level. Uh, so be sure to stay tuned right here to Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. Competition win the war, that's their mission. Not no mercy, see the race like the streets. If you don't know, you better find out the wolf pack. Here to a point, number one, to believe that you don't want to touch with them. I'll be here for them, coming to bring with them, you're never walking out again. Throw your back on the wolf pack. Sports Unlimited right here on Southern Sports Central. In a little under a half hour, we'll have Zane Smith coming on, talking about his commitment to Florida State. But before we get to that, talk about a few more national notes. Uh, MLB started yesterday. Happy opening day, everyone, uh, from yesterday. Uh, Happy April Fools, everyone, as well. Uh, Unfortunately, I didn't do... I'm, I've never really been good at April Fool's. I've never really been good at figuring out a fun April Fool's thing. So I don't really 
every now and again I'll I'll celebrate. Every now and again I'll do something. But for the most part, uh, when I think of April 1st, I normally primarily think of opening day uh, more than April Fool's Day. But uh, a few big uh, a few notes uh, from opening day this week. Uh, off, uh, Yankees lost to, uh, the Toronto Blue Jays in extra innings. And my main talking point out of this is I still hate the new overtime rules. Uh, not, I mean, they weren't the only ones. Braves also lost in overtime, or excuse me, in extra innings. Sorry, think basketball, right? Yankees lost in extra innings. Uh, Braves also lost in extra innings to the Phillies, and I still, I still hate the extra innings rules. I still hate the runner on second base thing because it just cheapens the game. It cheapens extra innings. It reminds me, and, and you know, for more, you know, for college football fans, they're a little more used to it at this point. But, and, and they probably see the correlation and, and they're like, okay, this doesn't bother me as much. But, again, that's college football. You know, you know, you don't see this in the NFL. These are the types of rules. And for those who don't follow baseball as much, starting last season, and a lot of people were thinking, oh, this is just going to be a pandemic rule. It's never going to stick. And unfortunately, it looks like it may stick. Uh, the rule now is once you get into extra ratings, you automatically have a runner on second base to start off the inning. It just cheapens the game. It's it's something that you would expect to see in like rec league baseball or in high school or in in a summer league. And and a low end summer league at that. I would never expect to see this on like the Cape or in college ball. It makes the game look cheap to me. And yes, it it can speed up the game. Okay, fine, whatever. But why? And and this has been my argument for a long time when it's come to this. And the same goes for football and the physicality and hockey and its physicality. The fans that you are trying to bring in with these rule changes will never come. Whether it's whether it's the fans that feel that baseball is too slow and too boring, even no matter what you do to the sport, that stigma and that perception of it, unless you completely make the game alien unless you completely change it that stigma and that thought 
will never go away for baseball. No matter how much you try, it just won't. Or if it does, if you do enough to make that happen, you bastardize the game enough to where your real fans will start disappearing. And you're going to have a completely different fan base and the game's going to be completely different than what it was. You might as well change it, change the name and and make a new sport. And that's where it's starting to head for baseball. Football and hockey, same thing. Taking away the physicality will not bring in new fans. Or it will not bring in the fans that you are expecting to draw in. You know, the 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 women and children. But in the process, you're going to ostracize primary fan base. And on top of that, again, like in baseball, you're essentially creating a new sport. You know, if if you want to do that, just 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 say just throw up your hands and say we we don't care anymore. We don't care about the fans. We're going to make it into flag football. And it it's slowed down over over the last few years. And college is worse than the NFL when it comes to this. But college has gotten better with it in past years when it comes to the targeting thing. The same time it's it's a tricky situation and you have to you, you have to do these things with great finesse and a fine point in order to get it right and no league has yet to get it right at least in my opinion the only sport that you know and this isn't real this was this wasn't a rule change. This was just more of a philosophy change. And this is a philosophy that I've had for years, even before it became popular. The only sport that has changed how it is run or or changed how it's perceived, and this is not based off of that the players have developed themselves is the NBA and basketball with the reliance on the three-point shot and moving away from the mid-range game. But what's funny is ever since the the late 2000s, when this was kind of starting but not nearly as big as it is now, I've had this philosophy when it's come to basketball since then. You know, whenever I would play, you know, an NBA game or a college basketball video game, my offensive philosophy was always try to drive first, try to get the easy basket at the rim. And then if you don't get it, it you know, if you don't get it when the defense breaks down, you kick it out to the three-point arc and take the open three. I, w- I was never a mid-range shooting guy. 
So it makes, you know, that makes sense. And that's more of a strategic thing more than anything. But, you know, the, these new rule, the, the new MLB rules, and, you know, I I heard the guys, I heard Carl Ravitch and, and the guys on, on the Yankees broadcast yesterday talking about how they're disappointed that the universal DH isn't still there and they're expecting it to come. No. No. And and I posted on Twitter yesterday, I said, am I the only baseball purist still, baseball traditionalist still around? I hope I'm wrong. And if you're, if you're a baseball traditionalist or a baseball purist, please call in and tell me I'm not alone out here in this world right now. 323-784-9681. That number again, 323-784-9681. But, the universal DH, this is, that's one of the great things. There are so many great things about baseball. And I'll talk about one in just a little bit. There are so many great intricacies about baseball. One of them being, or at least was, and, and is this year, but it's apparent. Uh, unfortunately, I think I have to concede defeat and say that this is about to go away, is the fact that is the fact that the leagues were different. Now, I remember back, you know, when the leagues were actually different and they had a different umpire, they had a different league office, all of that. And that was great. That was fun to see. But now, but even with them being combined now, it was always fun, and it was always interesting to know that the two different leagues have different rules. And that's, that was always fun. It was always fun, even as an AL fan. It was always kind of fun seeing, you know, and there have been some great moments over the years when it's come to this. Seeing the pitcher come up to bat. Even if he is sacrificed bunny, you know, that's another thing that, you know, in, in today's world and, and what's funny about it and kind of ironic is that, you know, the, the steroid era by a lot of baseball purists and, and even some non purist fans, um, but you know the the more traditional baseball fans and obviously the Hall of Fame voters and everything the steroid era is derided as this time where you know per- performance enhancing drugs were uh were you know disgracing the game and and destroying the game and and cheapening the game Yet a lot of people loved the home runs and and all that. And you would have thought that because of the steroid era, you know, scandalizing baseball, that they w- that they would have tried to move away from that and say, okay, let's try to move away from it all being all about the long ball and all of this, and let's try to get back to a more nuanced game. But no, if anything, while yes, people aren't taking steroids anymore, if anything, we've moved even more towards a home run is king 
approach when it comes to baseball. You know, it's basically, you know, a lot of hitters are, I'm swinging for the fences on every pitch. And, you know, to hell with singles. And you see it with all the shifts and everything. You know, it's like to hell with opposite field hitting. You know, that's, you know, and again, I'm a baseball purist. And and I hate, you know, I was, you know, baseball was my first love. But in recent years, I've kind of started to fall away from it a little bit because of the fact that it has become where you don't see, you know, people, especially, you know, in in Spanish-speaking countries, call soccer the beautiful game. But you could say the same thing, at least back in the day, about baseball. You know, you had these, you know, great moments of finesse of, you know, uh, the opposite field hit, just slapping a ball down the, lo- down the line, oppo. You know, a stolen base, a sacrifice bunt, all of these great nuanced things about baseball. When's the last time outside of in the NL with pitchers? And this is why I love pitchers batting. When was the last time you saw, you know, even a regular sacrifice bunt in in an MLB game? When's the last time you saw a suicide squeeze? When's the last time you saw a stolen base even? You know, all you know, all of the shifts and all of that. I I just I want to see baseball get back to a more nuanced game. That was one of the great things, and you know, this is you know, I've said this when it comes to any sort of any form of entertainment, and sports are going further and further down this path, and any entertainment product is best when it is. When it knows itself, when when its when its owners, when when the people who control things understand that it is not meant for mass consumption, and that it has a niche it needs to protect, whether it's baseball. Whether it's baseball when it's when it's you know baseball is supposed to be more of a thinking man's game. You you need to have a a certain uh, a certain level of intelligence in class in order to truly understand and appreciate baseball. On the flip side, you have football, which is you know the rough and tough, uh, you know. Rough and tough, you know, just grind it out, you know, the man's man's game. Uh, you know, basketball doesn't really have a specific uh, group that it caters to. It is kind of an everyman's game. Uh, but, you know, it has its own nuance to it. You know, it has – basketball is more of the, the flashy sport. You know, where you have these big, you know, the, these 
big uh, personalities. That's when it's at its best. And then hockey is is another one of those, you know, it's it's a man's man's game. Uh, and with the exception of the NBA, all of the other three are starting to lose that that grouping and are trying to be more, you know, for everyone. And in the process, it's diluting the product. So that's my kind of rant about opening day. And and here's the thing, you know, and and I think it, it, it's ironic. It's very ironic, actually, to me, that baseball is this way. But baseball, for being, you know, the longest sport in terms of the amount of games played and thus, the mean, you know, each game meaning the least out of all of the four majors. Opening day for baseball, and I, I, I think it's because of the history behind it and and all of that, and there is much more pageantry behind it. Opening day for baseball is the most, uh, you know. Obviously, football. You know, the first week of football is is very is highly anticipated and everything. But for whatever reason, opening day is the most anticipated and the most focused on opening day out out of uh, out of any sport. You know, even though there are 162 games. And that first game doesn't really mean much in the grand scheme of things. It's the most celebrated out of the four, out of the four major sports, which is an interesting little paradox there. What about the baseball note? Uh, one other quick note from opening day, and this really shows the nuance of baseball and the the craziness of baseball. I, I don't know if you guys saw it, but Cody Bellinger hit a long fly ball uh, yesterday, and it bounced off of the outfielder's glove over the wall for a home run, kind of a la uh, Jose Canseco. And, but in the process, he saw that it went over the wall, and started his home run trot. But the runner on first base did not and stayed on first. And as a result, Bellinger passed him and was called out. And then, but it still can as a home run. So the runner on first base was able to go around the bases and score. It's just an RBI single. And it it that's just one of those crazy moments, one of those crazy things that you just have to see to believe. And and you'd only ever see something like that happen in baseball. And one more quick baseball thing before I move on. And maybe this is me being a little over dramatic. With all the changes 
And other leagues already do this to an extent. I I dread the day. And just because of the history and everything, I doubt it'll ever happen. But I dread the day if it ever happens that we see because you know we're headed further and further down this path that we see universal dimensions. That is one of the great things. One of the great intricacies about baseball is how you can hit a home run in one park but not in another. Doubt it'll ever happen because it would create an uproar. But with the way baseball is tracking now, it would not at all surprise me to see someone try to suggest it. Now, the only reason why I feel like it probably won't happen is because it would be such a massive up uptaking um, to transform every stadium, especially some of the older ones, that it would just be too much work. But with that being said, I it would not at all surprise me to see someone suggest it. Doubting it'll ever happen, but... And I hate that I even put that out there because I could totally see Rob Manfred hearing that and being like, oh, that's a brilliant idea. No, it's not. So with that being said, I'll move on uh, with a little under, a little over five minutes before uh, Zane Smith comes on. Go through some recruiting notes uh, for this week. Jacoby Henderson from Catawba Ridge was offered by Marshall. C.J. Stokes from Hammond was offered by Penn State. Big offer for him. He's been getting more and more offers every every week. Xavion Wells from Lakewood offered by Eastern Michigan. Zach Chalmers from Newberry offered by Navy. Michael Kennedy from Southside Christian offered by Howard and Liberty, so congrats to him. Deuce Caldwell from Alden offered by USF. Cam Pringle from Woodland offered by South Carolina. Xavier Short from Chapman, offered by Penn and Eastern Michigan. Lots of Eastern Michigan uh, offers this week for Palmetto State guys. Josh Sapp from Greenville, offered by East Carolina. Ashton Whitner, also from Greenville, was also offered by Eastern Michigan. Kalen Rambert from Powdersville, offered by Old Dominion. Monroe Freeling from Oceanside offered by Arizona State. He's getting a lot of offers and had a few invites and, and notes for him. We'll talk about those a little later. Robbie Harrison from Emerald offered by Toledo. Andre Hodge from Catalba Ridge offered by Army. Antonio Gaines from Ridgeview, we'll talk to him a little later, was offered by Howard but then decided to commit to Charlotte just yesterday. Antonio Williams from Dutch Fork offered by Maryland. Davin Jackson from Sumter, offered by Bowling Green. Nemo Squire from Dillon, offered by Eastern Michigan. Jamorian Franklin from Lake City, offered by Howard. On the basketball court, DJ Sinclair from AC Flora was offered by Presbyterian. And a few commitments this week, along with Antonio Gaines. Max Morgan from Christchurch, committed to Liberty. Nick, Nick Hapsish. From Daniel, committed to Western Carolina. And rounding it off, rounding it off is the man that I will be talking to 
in just a few moments. Zane Smith committed to Florida State. So a big commitment there for the Grand Strand native. And that will get us right about at the time to take a break. So I will take a quick break. And then when I come back, I will have Zane Smith from North Myrtle Beach, the North Myrtle Beach kicker slash punter, committed to Florida State coming on at the top of the air. So stay tuned right here to Sports Unlimited, only on Southern Sports Central. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Sports Unlimited right here on Southern Sports Central as we await Zane Smith to join us at the top of the hour. We'll go through a few more notes, a few high school updates real quick for you guys as we await uh, Zane coming on. Robert Mames was hired as the new head basketball coach over at Hanahan was an assistant both at Shiraz and Carolina Forest, so congrats to him. He should, uh, you know, has some good, uh, has a good resume already and and should be able to help Hanahan over there. Roy Ravenel was hired as the new Southside, and we have Zane Smith on the line right now this morning. Good morning, Zane. How's it going this morning? Good morning. How about, I'm doing great. How about you? Pretty good. Pretty good. First off, congrats on your commitment. Walk us through how your recruitment went and how you've been, you're feeling now that you've made the commitment and you've got that weight lifted off your shoulders. 
Uh, so basically, summer before my freshman year, um, I went to a, the coastal football camp, uh, the kicking camp, and um, I, I pretty much won it. Um, and coach Coach Curtis Baldus um, was the, was the special teams coordinator there. Um, and he started recruiting me from coastal for for the first my freshman sophomore up until right the start of my junior year stopped hearing from him and I, I didn't really know why. And then um, and then right right whenever the pandemic started, uh, he started texting me from Florida State and I, I learned that he was down there working for them. So uh, that kind of excited me a little bit. So they started talking to me. Um, so I've been talking to them for a little over a year now. Uh, just waiting for the for the for the offer to come through, and then once I did, uh, it was just a matter of getting into school and making it happen. Let like you well, you mentioned your relationship with the uh, special teams coach who was over at Coastal and and now at Florida State. How much of an impact was obviously Florida State great program and everything, you know, ACC and everything, but how much of his influence and the fact that you knew him and he's been, you know, helping you out for all these years, how much of an impact did that have in your decision to go to become a Seminole? Um, it had a, had a lot to do with it because, um, you know, just the relationship I had with him that I built over the last four years just made me really comfortable, you know, knowing that I was going somewhere where I was, where I've known the coach there for a while. So it just made me happy and it made me feel like it was, it was the best situation for me. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like you mentioned, you've been you've long been considered one of the best kickers in the state of South Carolina, if not the country. But it took a while for you to start actually getting real offers. Like you mentioned, you had that relationship with uh with him, but you didn't get an offer from Coastal. You weren't really getting much offers until, you know, later, you know, towards the uh beginning of the school year this year. Do you think that's a matter of schools waiting on going after special teams guys, or were some were were schools sleeping on you? Uh, well, the 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 recruiting process for for special teams players is kind of kind of iffy as it is. Schools usually, you know, the most important summer for my career was supposed to be this past summer before my senior year, and then my senior year was supposed to happen in the. That was supposed to be the big, the big gap of time for me to get my offers, um, but we didn't really. I didn't get to go visit schools or or, uh, or kick for them or go to any camps. So that that didn't really help me very much. Um, and so schools schools aren't really taking as many chances on guys because they haven't seen them in person. So I don't, I don't really think it was me getting slept on. I just think you know with the with the situation we're in, it was it was just kind of a difficult and weird weird time. Yeah, it definitely was. But I, you, you stayed out there and you were, you know, putting out video all summer long, even through everything. How much of an impact do you think that had? Uh, you keep on grinding throughout the summer, uh, even with the pandemic. Not only for your recruitment, but also for uh, your team's success in on the high school level this year. Um. Uh. Can you repeat that? I don't really understand. Yeah. Um. How how big of an impact do you think you continuing to put the work in over the summer, even through the pandemic, helped both your recruiting and and your performance this season? Um. I think it it, it showed uh you know that I'm willing to to work no matter the situation I'm in or you know 
where I am. I'm still going to, you know, do what I have to do to, to put myself in a good position to be successful. Um, so I think it had a pretty positive impact on the outcome of, you know, a lot of things this, this year. You you mentioned how the recruiting process is for special teams guys. How how big of a difference is it between how schools recruit special teams players than how they recruit regular players? Oh, oh so basically, like it's it's kind of a um, they schools recruit you know the wide receivers and the quarterbacks and the O line, D line, the skill players. And then usually right around that, like, the kids in my grade have probably gotten offers since freshman year, sophomore year, have been just, just grabbing offers their entire career. But for kickers, it's usually the summer before their senior year. They go to, they go to like, five or six camps. They kick for a few colleges and hope that, that they do good enough at camp or, or, or talk to a coach enough to get an offer. It's really difficult because most schools have, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, maybe more wide receivers, four, five, or maybe three quarterbacks, and only two kickers. So <laughs> every school, you know, there's not as many spots for it. And um, it, it's just a very difficult thing to be able to, you know, have an opportunity to go to college for it, especially at a Division One or Power Five level. What was your – personal maybe not the biggest but your personal favorite moment or personal favorite offer that you got through this process so personal favorite moment um probably just being able to play in the state championship because i remember growing up that was something i never thought i would be able to do because north Myrtle beach has had a history of you know not being super successful at football and growing up, my everybody in my in my grade told us, you know, we're going to go to the state championship. We're going to go to the state championship, and I didn't believe them. And you know, it happened, and it was just something. I, when I first when I first walked on the field, I kind of I kind of took in the moment because it was something I knew not a lot. No one no one ever in school history has been able to experience that. So it was a pretty cool moment in my career. You you mentioned that moment uh, with the state championship and. Not only did you guys were you guys able to make it to the state championship, but in the process, a, a couple of you uh, went D1, and and all three of you went to ACC programs. Uh, any uh, first off, what did Henry and T- Chase tell you when you decided to commit commit to Florida State? And is there any sort of friendly rivalry brewing between the three of you now that you're all now going to be ACC rivals? Um, you know, we actually have a we have a group chat on Snapchat um, of me and Billy Barlow and Cam Freeman and and Henry and Chase. And you know, it's funny because North Carolina Beach has never had never in in total never had three or four. Uh, Division One athletes like this, let alone in the same grades or back-to-back years, um, and so it's pretty special. But it's not really—it's not really a rivalry. It—we just we talk about how we're so excited to play each other and how we're so excited to like see each other out there in like the, in the big stadiums, and it's just we're super excited to, to to be in the position to play each other. You mentioned the run to the state championship and and that intensity and that you know being on the big stage how much do you think that run and and this whole season 
has prepared you for going to the next level? Um, you know, I, there's a, there's a big difference between between playing in uh in you know a stadium like Benedict University and uh-huh. playing in you know playing in Dope Campbell. Yeah. So uh, I I think I think the overall not not necessarily the atmosphere, but the overall you know the feeling I had and the you know how nervous I was. I don't think it got much bigger than that. Besides, you know, maybe playing in a national championship or a bowl game or something. But uh, state championship, it, I was pretty. It was pretty, pretty fun. I had a lot of adrenaline. <laughs> Do you? Uh, one final question before I let you go. Do you know yet? I know obviously you play. You 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 both kicked and punted. Do you know yet what position you'll be playing in college? Uh, they pretty much said do both until we tell you otherwise. Okay. Well, best of luck for you uh, going uh, down to Florida State. They, I'm I'm sure you'll be watching the spring game in a couple of weeks uh, for them. Good luck with everything, and we look forward to seeing you at the next level. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Zane. That was Zane Smith. Yep, you too. That was Zane Smith, uh, kicker slash punter from North Merrill Beach, who has committed to play at Florida State. He will be a Seminole next year. And like he mentioned, you know, North Merrill Beach, and, you know, I talked to Ian Guerin about this, uh, talked to a number of people about this. You know, they were always kind of, you know, the laughing stock of the area, not really well you know, not really playing very well, uh, you know, towards the bottom of the region. And they've really turned the program around. And, and now, you know, they they have, uh, you know, they have so many pieces now. And, and they're losing a lot of pieces. They're, they're losing Chase Simmons. You know, they're losing, uh, you know, they, they're losing – uh Henry Duke, they're losing Zane Smith, uh, you know, they're losing a few other pieces. But, you know, between what they've done uh, you know, this year, they still have some great pieces coming back. Uh and and with what uh Tony Halbron is plan you know, I he's gonna continue that tradition and North Merrill Beach is gonna be a force to be reckoned with not just in football, but in every sport, like you mentioned, you know, Billy Barlow and Chase and Cam Freeman on the baseball diamond, uh, you know, pitching great over there. Uh, you know, it's been fun for me personally covering, uh, them as well. Speaking of the chiefs before we, uh, before we jump, uh, into some other well, Lou Bejack from the state coming on in a little under uh, fifth or a little over fifteen minutes. Uh, but in the meantime, I'll run. We have the uh, Mingo Bay Classic uh, tournament that will be occurring next week during spring break here on the Grand Strand. That the uh, teams have come out. There will be 19 teams playing. Uh, with there, there were supposed to be 20 teams, but a team backed out. So now there will be 19 teams playing. 
the host teams will be Georgetown, Waccamaw, St. James, Socastee, Carolina Forest, Myrtle Beach, North Myrtle, Conway, Ainer, and Loris, with Metrolina, Greenbrard, Christian, Legion Collegiate, Carver's Bay, Lake City, Lakewood, Christian, and King's Academy traveling in to play uh, in the Mingo Bay. This year, not as many teams as normal, not as many out-of-state teams as normal because of, you know, COVID and the uncertainty of all of that. But still, very nice to see that return last year, obviously, with the uh, season being cut short. It was not able to happen last season, but now it is back in full swing. And uh should be a fun little uh, tournament to call uh, next week. Uh, and should be a lot of fun. Go through some high school notes real quick. Uh, a couple of big notes, a couple of big uh, notes to pass along. Uh, like I mentioned, Roy Mams hired as the new head basketball coach for Hanahan. Was the assistant at Sharaw and Carolina Forces. So that that should be a big help for Hanahan. Roy Ravenel was hired as the new Southside Christian head coach. Uh, the big news uh, here in the Grand Strand slash PD area, Randall State, who led Marion to the state championship game, lost to, to Abbeville in the 2A state championship game, but still was able to make it to a state championship game announced his resignation as the Marion head coach earlier this week. No indication on why or anything like that. But still, very surprising considering the success he had at Marion last season, getting to the championship, and not only that, he was named the Morning News Coach of the Year. So he had an amazing season last year, and yet now he's giving it up. Not sure what happened there. Maybe uh, we may try to see about getting him on next week to see if we can get any sort of uh, answers to that. But that's a big that's a big job right there. Yes, it's only in two A. Still a, a quality program that obviously is a very good program. They're losing some pieces. I will say that much. They are losing a couple of pieces, uh, you know, going into next season. But outside of that, uh, you know, it's still going to be – it's still a good program. It's still a good – it's still a good team, and it's still a job that I think a lot of people would want. Uh Moving over to the uh, moving over to the other side of the Grand Strand, uh, on Mer- going down to Myrtle Beach, uh, Mer- the Seahawks that named that announced that they're uh, adding a couple of new coaches to the staff. The one that was announced uh, yesterday was that. Jamie Snyder 
was announced as a new uh, offensive line coach. Um, he he comes in and he's got a lot of uh, he he's got a lot of uh, he he's got a lot of um, you know he he's got a lot of uh, marks on his resume. Former Loris head coach. He was an assistant at Coastal. That's a big pickup for the Seahawks. And and on top of that, they also announced that uh, former Seahawks wide receiver, he was on the 2018 state championship team, Wyatt Roach. He will also be joining the coaching staff for Myrtle Beach. So a couple of big names for the Seahawks, getting them ready for the 2021 season. And, you know, they're, they're going to be very good. They're going to bounce back very strong. Obviously, they saw Ryan Berger. They're losing J.J. Jones, so they don't have that two-headed monster in the receiving core this season. But still have Adam Randall. Still have a great team, uh, you know, to build around. And they're going to be good. That week one matchup with them traveling to Carolina Forest, that is going to be one of the bigger games, I think, in the state week one. Seeing who, who is able to, who will be able to continue their success. Because... If, if if more so on Carolina Forest side, it's going to be more so on them to see who you know if are they going to be able to continue to rebuild and re you know and reset, rebuild and reclaim. Essentially, are they going to be able to? come back after losing a few big pieces, you know, having a couple of division one guys this season leave. And now are they going to be able to have another crop of talent come in and just fill in the gap again? They'll have a, they'll have another new quarterback at the helm for the third straight season. And we'll have to wait to see if, Whoever it is, not sure, uh, you know, there are some names. There's one name in particular that I could potentially see it being uh, in in, in uh, Scott Saylor. But do I, do I think it'll be him? Not sure. So we'll, we'll have to see. But that's going to be a big game. That's going to be a big game this season. That's for sure. Uh, a few other news and notes around the state before we have uh, Lou Bezjak from the state coming on at 8.30. Morning news awards were announced uh, for basketball. Cesar Edwards, Boys Basketball Player of the Year, not really all that surprising. Uh, him from Hartsville had a great season heading to Xavier next year. Talaja Cooper from East Clarendon, girls basketball player of the year. 
Again, not all that surprising there. Bradley Knox from Darlington was named the Girls Basketball Coach of the Year. The All-PD Boys Team, Christian Taylor from Timmonsville, Cyrus Ellison from Hannah Pamplinko, Dravion Scott from Barnborough County, Marshall Myers from Shaw, and Quez Lewis from Johnsonville. The All-PD Girls Team, Summer Joseph from Darlington, Moya McDuffie from Latta, Tanaja Lester from Marion, Janiah Waters from Lakeview, and Altrius Benjamin from Hartsville. Monroe Freeling from Oceanside was invited to the Adidas All-American Bowl, so congrats to him. And Xavier McLeod from Camden was invited to both the Under Armour All-American Game and the Adidas All-American Bowl. And he was ranked as the 41st recruit in the nation for the class of 2023, according to 24-7 Sports. Devin Hyatt from Dutch Fork was ranked 67th. So congrats to both of them. Uh, And, you know, all, all of those players, a lot of top recruits here in the state of South Carolina, like I've mentioned before, especially on the football field, keeps on growing and growing, and it's been fun uh, covering it all over this past uh, half year. Moving over, uh, talk some uh, quick little uh Football notes, some week one matchups were announced uh, this week, some schedules coming out. Eastside will face off against J.L. Mann uh, week one. White Knoll will face off against Spring Valley. South Point will face off against Northwestern. Great Falls will face off against Whitmire. And Ainer will face off against Lakeview. I think the big matchup out of those five is... uh, is White Knoll against Spring Valley. That should be a fun game to watch. That should be a fun game to see. So those are your local notes uh, from around the state. Go through some. Uh, go through a couple of quick NBA n- notes uh, before we take a quick break, and then we'll be right back with Lou Bejack from the state coming on at 8.30. LaMarcus Aldridge signs with the Nets. And, you know, the the rich keep on getting richer, it seems. But I'm going to say right now, again, and, and to be fair, you can call me out all you want. I, I was wrong on Tom Brady. I was wrong when it came to Tom Brady. You know, uh... I didn't think I thought the Bucks would need a year to get the chemistry going before they could win a Super Bowl, but I was wrong. I may be wrong here with the Nets. In some ways, I hope I am wrong. But even with this signing, I still don't think they're they're. It's gonna take some time for them to establish the chemistry. You know, we've seen it with the Heat. Uh, the only team that I can. The only team that I can really remember that, you know, they signed a bunch of guys, they created a super team, and won in the first year was the Celtics back in the the late 2000s with Pierce Garnett and Ray Allen and Rajon Rondo. 
and and Kevin Garnett. That's the only team that I can think of that they created a super team and then won it all. But in that situation, they all signed at the beginning of the year and had a full training camp to prepare and had a full training camp and had a full year to get that chemistry going. This is different. This is very different, I feel. Because they've had a lot more pieces throughout the year. You know, they didn't add James Harden until a few weeks into the season. They didn't add LaMarcus Aldridge until now. Kyrie Irving was gone for a little while. So, I, I just, I don't think they have enough, I don't think they'll have enough this year to make it happen. Next year, definitely. This year, I just don't think they'll have enough chemistry to win it all. And especially after what the Lakers did. Lakers signed Andre Drummond. A lot of people think this was just a counter move by the Lakers for Aldridge signing with the Nets, but I don't think so. This was just a way for them to shore up their roster for the home stretch, get a little bit more of an inside presence, and I think it's going to help them. It's going to help them. They're going to be a strong team this year. They're going to be a strong team going into the playoffs. And they are, in my opinion, and I think in a lot of people's opinion, they are the odds-on favorite to win it all this year. I just, I don't see another team coming in and, and winning it. So, I could be wrong. I may be wrong. You know, in a way, I kind of hope I am wrong. But we'll just have to wait and see. I'll take a quick break and come right back, and then we'll have Lou Bejack from the state coming on at 8.30. So stay tuned right here to Sports Unlimited right here on Southern Sports Central. I can't begin to know him, but then I know it's growing strong. Wasn't the spring, and spring became the summer, who'd have believed you'd come along? Touching hands, reaching out, touching me, touching you. Only two 
And when I hurt Burden runs off my shoulder How can I hurt when holding you Warm Touching warm Reaching out Touching me Welcome back to Sports Unlimited right here on Southern Sports Central as we await Lou Bejack from the state. Join us uh, in just a little while. And and real quick before uh, he joins us, I just want to I, I just want to note something that came out of the uh, interviews yesterday over at South Carolina's uh, spring practice. Debo Williams, the the fact that his his nickname comes from from Friday from Debo from Friday is just that that's awesome, you know he, he's he 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 wants to be uh, you know he, he wants to be a bully on the football field and he thinks of Debo that's that that's great people people compare him to Debo that's that's just funny to me that that's just really funny to me. Uh, you know, so just just wanted to point that out uh real quick as we wait for uh as we wait for Lou to join me uh in just a moment. While we wait, I'll go through some uh other news um on the NFL side. The the big news this week, although oh, here we go. We got Lou online. Good morning, Lou. Hey, Brandon. Good morning. How you doing? Good morning. Doing well. Doing well. First off, since we didn't get the chance to talk last week, uh, obviously the 5A Girls Championship game happened last week. Uh, huge comeback by Clover uh, to be able to beat Sumter. What were your thoughts on that game and and how big of a comeback was that for Clover? Yeah, it was huge. I mean, it was uh, something to look to have things uh, kind of wrapped up. and um, But Alicia Wade's pr- pretty good, and uh, she showed that again last week in the North-South All-Star game when um, she, she earned MVP honors for her 
uh, her, the North team. Um, yeah, so it was just a good run by Clover. I mean, they, they kind of been building. They were top-ranked team for most of the year and uh, falling behind, but they got a girl like Wade, and they stayed. Uh, their defense uh, re- really kept them in it. It was a low-scoring game. So, yeah, it was just a, he- a heck of a win and a good way to cap off the high school basketball season. Absolutely. that It, it was a crazy comeback. I I saw the score, like, it was, you know, they were up by, like, 10 or something with only a few minutes left in the game. And I was like, okay, this game's over. It, it, Sumter's going to win. And then I look back on Twitter a few minutes later and Clover won. I'm like, what? That was crazy. <laughs> but we we, talk, we talked a few weeks ago about the NCAA tournament. And, hey, you were right. I was wrong on the upsets for the tournament. What have some of your overall thoughts been on the tournament this year? And, and who do you have winning it all? Well, I picked Gonzaga before the tournament began. I mean, um, I had him play in Illinois. Obviously, Illinois is <laughs> not making it, but um, but the, I just think it's going to take a huge, a huge effort by uh, either UCLA or uh, whoever they play. If it would be uh, Arkansas or uh, Houston or Baylor, uh, Baylor Gonzaga championship game would be pre- pretty good. But mm-hmm. I think it's going to take a huge effort and may, maybe a off night for Gonzaga uh, to lose. So um, it's going to be. I think, I mean, they, they've been impressive. I mean, they, they got pros. They got probably three future pros in that starting lineup. Um, Suggs could be maybe the number one overall pick. Um, they could run. They they can do the half court. They could shoot. Uh, Timmy, uh, Drew Timmy's been, been fantastic. Uh, I remember watching him, um, I think it was two, two years ago, maybe at Peach Jam, two, three years ago um, in Augusta, and just how impressed that's. Uh, I think at the time he was a top 50 prospect in the country and his recruiting really started to take off uh, that summer and they ended up committing to Gonzaga and just um, what they've, they've been building for this. I mean, uh, they've had some good runs. They went to the final four of the year, uh, beat South Carolina in 17, but uh, this is definitely probably maybe their best team ever. Uh, and that's saying something because they, they've had some good teams. So, We'll see if they could finish it off with the, the pressure of being undefeated, trying to do be the first team since Indiana. So uh, I think it's I think it's going to be a good Final Four. It's an interesting Texas got two teams in again. Um, uh, with the way Houston has done it defensively, and UCLA has been fun. Uh, their story they're not a typical 11 seed. They're not. I mean, you'd think Cinderella, the uh, team yeah. from the Pac-12 with the tradition as UCLA is not a not not a Cinderella, but. Uh, uh, it's been fun with Coach Cronin, uh, what he's been able to do when he was hired. I think I think he was the third, fourth, fifth, maybe even fifth choice uh, because they wanted bigger names and higher profile names. And uh, here you are a few years later that are in the Final Four. Going over to the women's side, South Carolina in the uh, Final Four, what do you think they need to do to be able to not only win uh, – you know, the semis, but, you know, potentially having to face off against UConn in the championship game. What, what do they need to do to potentially win, win it all? Hopefully maybe have a defensive effort like they did uh, uh, in the lead eight. I mean, shutting uh, Texas out in the final quarter. I don't think that's ever been done in the lead eight. And I think in the tournament, it's only been done maybe one other time. So it's uh, continue with that defensive effort. Like they've, done been doing um and just uh 
get, get performances uh, from everyone. They, I mean, Aaliyah Boston didn't have her best game against uh, Texas, but they got so many um, weapons around her with Cook and uh, Destiny Henderson, and uh, they've been getting some good play off their bench. So I think uh, that, I think, and just like I said, defensively, uh, Try and stop Stanford. Stanford's pretty good. I mean, they're the number one overall seed for a reason. So it's going to be a tough task tonight. I know everyone would love to see another uh, UConn-South Carolina game with just just because of how that first one went. It was a great game, one of the best uh, women's games of the year. So uh, maybe see that again. But uh, they, they'll have a tall task, but I know Coach Staley will have them ready. Uh, she, she's focused there uh, and just uh, I think – they can get it done tonight and maybe get it done on Sunday night as well. Yeah. Moving over to uh, baseball opening day arrived finally. Uh, who do you see as some of the teams to beat uh, in the MLB this year? I think it's the Dodgers in the field, I guess. Uh, I, mean, <laughs> just, I know they lost yesterday. They, they didn't play very good. I watched a little bit of that game. But I just think that they're too talented and the weapons they have, the pitching staff and um, – I think they're going to be pretty good. I think they're going to get a run, though, from from the Padres. I think Padres yeah. kind of um, took a step forward last year, and I think they're going to be really good again. Fernando Tatis is uh, what, what baseball needs, a young superstar that's kind of brash a little bit and kind of uh, cocky, uh, but I, I think it, he brings a lot of life and energy in the game. Um, and uh, the Braves are going to be pretty good. They lost yesterday, but I think uh, they, they got a lot to prove. They made it farther last year than they finally won a playoff series. So I think, um, I don't know. I think it's going to be fun in the AL. NL, I mean, the NL and then the AL, I mean, Yankees are going to be pretty good. I think the Blue Jays, the White Sox, everyone's been, they've been the trendy pick uh, to to make a big run this year. So we'll see if they can stay healthy. I know they had the, the big injury uh, late in the spring training, the Jimenez, uh, but uh, we'll see. It should be a fun year. Hopefully everyone can stay safe and the players can get vaccinated so won't have anything like uh, what happened with the Nationals um, uh, yesterday and not being able to play opening day uh, because of the COVID. Yeah, yeah, that was very disappointing to see that. And, and since, since you brought it up, what are your thoughts? I mean, hopefully it doesn't happen, but what were your thoughts when you saw what Mike, uh, Mark Emmert said the other day about if, if there is a positive case during the final four? Yeah. I mean, well, I saw what uh, McGraw said too. <laughs> she, she said that the, yeah. Baylor, she said that stop testing. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a little bit uh, in, in between. I mean, still test a little bit, but I mean, um, I think just let them go for the, I mean, you, you don't want to see a positive test uh, ruined thing. We saw it in the high school, like you said, that the, the, they had to wait a couple weeks. Uh, I, hopefully they would wait a couple weeks. It would be the championship game. You don't want something decided like that, or even the final four game. But it would logistically it would be hard to try to do. You wouldn't want teams staying another couple weeks. I mean, they've already been in Indianapolis uh, or San Antonio for two, three weeks. So you don't want to stay that much farther. So hopefully everything – is okay, and uh, I mean, if they get tested today, they they should be okay uh, for the final four in the championship. Yeah, ho- hopefully we this is all just speculation on our part, and nothing ends up happening. Uh, the NFL announced that they're expanding to seventeen games. 
what are your thoughts on on them expanding? Yeah, I think it's good. I like the expansion with the elimination of one preseason game. So it's basically the same week. It's weeks. It's just um, just I mean, you're getting one game that really counts. I I didn't like how they chose the last game. I mean, I like it that the I mean, basically you get it's a cross matchup with. I mean, like the winner in the AFC South played the winner, the first place team in the NFC South. But you kind of want a non, um, I mean, I would want to have a conference or interdivision game in that last game, but like they've been trying to do. But um, yeah, because I think the Packers play the Chiefs. Maybe or some or and yeah. then, or if you have a matchup like that, and you're gonna have. I mean, the teams. It could be. I mean, you want to see Rodgers and Mahomes, but okay. But you're gonna have if the teams already clinched playoff spot, you might. You know what I mean? You're gonna see backups in that. So that that's the only thing I wish they could have tried to mix around the set schedule, but they were kind of setting the schedule already. So um, I think it's good. 17 games. Uh, I don't know if they end up going 18 games and only two preseason games. People want to see uh, regular season games. They don't want to see preseason. So I think it's a win for everyone. Um, and uh, you get more football and you get um, uh, less preseason games. So, and uh, I think everyone's in favor of it. We'll, we'll see what happens. And uh, uh, it will be, uh, I think it, it's a good step. Um, a 17's right for uh, right now. Yeah. The only thing that's going to be weird for me is, the the get the the tying of it where you know with the 16 game schedule you've had you know the beginning of September until the end of December is when football is and that's always been the case and now it's going to kind of start pushing into you know be you know either end of August or or the beginning of January so it's going it's going to make things weird uh, I have a feeling we'll probably end up going to 18 games at some point because 17 it's, it's an odd number it just feels weird but we'll see uh moving over to the high school side uh we're a couple of weeks into the baseball season uh who are some of the teams that have impressed or surprised you in the midlands thus far this season well midlands i mean uh, with the 5a i mean we knew it's going to be the the region five five a we have five teams or and four of them I think were ranked in the preseason poll with uh, uh Chapin Dutch Fork Lexington and River Bluff but um, Dutch Fork and Lexington have kind of kind of separated themselves uh, for I mean, they haven't played yet and uh, the way they're this region is doing it they're playing three times so they they kind of separated themselves right now and uh, they're both undefeated so that's kind of been a surprise the way that's been going. Um, We've had a team, a Brooklyn Casey. It hasn't been a surprise. They're pretty talented. They have three Division One commits on the team, and uh, I think uh, they have a chance to to make a deep run in the playoffs. Uh, Blythewood, um, it's pretty been pretty dominant. Their region's not, not great on the other the other 5A region. They'll be up in the upper state in 5A. I think they have a good shot to uh, make a deep run, and we'll see Blythewood play Lexington in the first round of the. Uh, in the first game of the SCDI on um, uh, Wednesday, and then Four A Flora has been pretty dominant. They're unbeaten. Uh, they've been beating teams pretty, or they they lost one game, but um, that was I mean it was a high scoring game. But they they've been pretty dominant, and they're uh, definitely a class of Four A. It's going to take uh, the way they they're pretty loaded. They got three South Carolina commits on their roster, um, and they all start. So it's going to I look for them to be the team to beat in Four A. 
It's going to be a fun season. Lots of uh, tournament, like you mentioned, a tournament, uh, the SCBA, uh, happening in the Midlands next week during spring break. You got the uh, you got the Mingo Bay happening down here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so lots. We got of the Four Stakers Classic too. Floors hosting. Yep. And Floor and Dutch Fork play in that first day, and uh, it's it'll be good tournaments. Uh, the SCBI is kind of spread out. It's usually at Blythewood, but uh, Richland too is not allowing multiple team events, so they're hosting. They're they're dividing the two sites at Lexington and Brooklyn Casey, so it's a little different that way because it's Blythewood does a heck of a job hosting that tournament and everything. But the way things are uh, for this year, it's going to be like that. And Forest Acres should be a good tournament as well. You got Hammond, who, who's pretty good, probably one of the favorites in Skiza 3A. They got uh, uh, Chad Holbrook's son Reese, and then Tucker Toman, who's committed to LSU and Holbrook's signed with North Carolina already. So it should be fun. A lot of talent in uh, uh, the four Acres. Hopefully the weather will be good. It's usually when these spring tournaments rain, roll around. It's uh, rain, Rains could p- play a problem, so hopefully we have some good weather next week. Yeah, hopefully uh, the weather cooperates and we get some good baseball coming in uh, next week. Lou, as always, it's a pleasure talking to you. Uh, have fun wherever you'll be at. I'm sure you'll be at a game tonight. Uh, and uh, I'll, we'll talk to you next week. All right, Brandon. No problem. Yep. Thanks a lot. Once again, that was Lou Bejack from the state. Always fun talking to him. Always fun uh, picking his brain on a number of different things. As we are just about 12 minutes away from the top of the hour, and Antonio Gaines, uh, the Ridgeview defensive lineman, uh, joining us. He committed to Charlotte earlier this week. So we'll we'll switch gears a little bit like uh, we like Lou and I were talking about. Uh, we'll do some NFL notes real quick. Uh, first, Dolphins decided to trade overall pick uh and their 20 their 2022 first round pick to the Eagles for the 6th pick 6th overall pick but then traded the 3rd overall pick to the 49ers and so an interesting little uh situation there uh with the Dolphins and the 49ers and and a lot of speculation running rampant on why the 49ers wanted to move up. Uh, 49ers, you know, a lot of people, and I personally disagree with it. I'm going to say flat out, I disagree with, if, if you end up going in the draft. But a lot of people are speculating that the 49ers moved up to pick a quarterback and if they do end up drafting a quarterback with that third overall pick I just I don't see it. Uh like I get that that Jimmy Garoppolo is not necessarily you know the the best quarterback in in the world. He's not the qu- best quarterback in the NFL. But he did lead this 49ers team. And I don't get it. I don't get it. Because this has now happened twice with the 49ers. 
I don't know what is going on in San Francisco when it comes to quarterbacks. Because this has now happened twice. This happened back a few years ago with Colin Kaepernick. You know, Colin Kaepernick led the uh, the 49ers to the Super Bowl in 2012 and then proceeded to get, you know, uh, I don't think they didn't draft anyone, uh, but they decided to move on from Kaepernick and decided to go in a different direction. I mean, same with uh, same with Alex Smith too. You know, Alex Smith had a few mediocre games and they moved on to Kaepernick. Then Kaepernick had a few not so great games and they moved on. You know, from him. And now they're doing the same thing with Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't get it. This reminds me, and and this one it 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 turned out it it worked out for them. But that's only because they got a once in a generation type of quarterback dropped to, dropped into their lap. And that's the Denver Broncos with with Tim Tebow. You know when when Tebow. Tebow led the the Broncos to the AFC Championship game. And yeah, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't your prototypical quarterback. But he still managed to win games. So, you know, especially with how valuable quarterbacks are, if you have a quarterback, I don't care if he's, the traditional quarterback and and the and a quarterback that everyone hails as a great quarterback and a great leader or whatnot. No matter how he's it's getting done, if he's winning games for you, that should be all that matters. If he's winning games for you, then that that should be the only thing that matters is whether or not you are winning games. And Kaepernick, you know, led the 49ers to a Super Bowl in 2012. Garoppolo led the 49ers to a Super Bowl in And I feel like the 49ers are just using the excuse of his injury from last year that knocked him out for the whole season, only played in one game or a couple of games, they're using it as an excuse to say, oh, you failed us. We're moving on now. And I think it's going to come back to bite them. And I kind of hope it does come back to bite them. Because I like Jimmy Garoppolo. Because his his name is Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo. I, whenever I think of him, if if you guys haven't seen it from a few years ago, from back, I think, in 2016, 2015 or 2016, when he first, when he took over for Brady for, I think, one or two games. I think it, it was after the deflate gate thing. And Garoppolo had to step in, and they did, they, they, uh, they, they did the parody of Hamilton on, on NFL, Fox NFL Sunday, the, with, uh, Regal. 
that all that's all I can think of when it comes to Garoppolo. But it's great. I love it. And I love how they played it again when when he was in the Super Bowl. Uh but it's it's just I think they I think the 49ers if they do. Now this is all speculation. But a lot of people are thinking that that's why they moved up. If they take a quarterback and they move on from Garoppolo, I'm going to be very disappointed. And moving on from that, like like Lou and I were talking about, NFL has officially announced that they are moving to a 17-game schedule. Lou said he likes it. I can understand why. And with – I have yet to see the schedule. Let me actually look at this real quick. Let's look at the NFL schedule. So you have, because they are removing one. The only reason why I thought this were the case, and maybe it's because of something else, but the only reason why I thought it changed the schedule was because of... uh, was because of uh, the um, what was because of them announcing that the Super Bowl moved up a week. They they have not officially announced the. Uh, oh wait, here we go. Yes, it will start the beginning of September still. So it will start September ninth. But here's the thing. It's starting September 9th, so I don't get why you couldn't have had the first game be September 2nd, the way, keep the system the way it was. I understand they like starting after Labor Day, but I would have started it on the 2nd, had the season end on January 2nd, and you still could have kept the Super Bowl, uh, the first week of February. That would have been how I would have done it. You know, since you're you're axing one of the the uh the preseason games. Keep the schedule the way it is. But that's just me. I, I like the the uniformity of things. You know, the beginning of August was preseason games starting. Beginning of September, technically you still have that Beginning of September is is the beginning of the regular season. End of the year is the end of the regular season. And then January is playoffs and the the beginning of February is the Super Bowl. You could still easily do it. Just have that last week in August be the week off between you know, have have the the Hall of Fame game be the first week of August. Then the first the, the the three three weeks now of of preseason games happening those first three weeks have the the fi- the last week in August be the the uh, the off week the rest week and then have the first game the first regular season game 
be be played on the second. That's how I would have done it. And that's the only reason why I don't like this. And and if they go to 18 games, that's how I'd want it to. Because I've just always liked that September, you know, with school starting and, and with and, – and yes, I know down here it's a little different that you start in August. You start school in August. But, you know, having that, I I just, I would have preferred to have seen it that way. This has been the longest stretch that the NFL has gone without a change. I personally like the 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 16. I would have liked them to have keep it to 16. But if you're going to expand, at least expand to 18. I would say two, two preseason games in the first couple of weeks of, or do it like, you know, Second and third week in August. Although that would then push the the Super Bowl back even further. So, I I don't know. I don't know how it will work. I'd have to figure that out. I'm not the biggest fan of it, but I understand why it's done. I'll take a quick break and then come right back. We'll have... uh, We'll have Antonio Gaines coming on from Ridgeview, talk about his commitment to Charlotte and a few other things when we come back right here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. Welcome back to Sports Unlimited right here on Southern Sports Central as we await Antonio Gaines calling in from Ridgeview High School, the Ridgeview defensive lineman who committed to Charlotte just yesterday. 
and we'll talk to him about a couple of different things. Uh, but in the meantime, while we wait for him to call in, uh, I'll continue my talk on the, the whole 17-game thing and, and my thoughts on it. I understand why it's being done. I understand entirely why it's being done and and all of that. And what's kind of ironic about it is that the two sports that I would say have the most fanfare when it comes to preseason, and I think this is just because they're the two most popular, um, but also it's the timing of them, I feel, are baseball and football. You know, baseball, spring training, a lot of people pay attention to spring training. Uh, and football, a lot of people get excited for the preseason. So it's, It's a, um, you know, it, it's an interesting, uh, it, it's an interesting situation. Uh, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how things play out. The one thing I'm a little worried about, honestly, when it comes to the, you know, the the reduction of of preseason games is, you know, when. And of course, I'm sure coaches will say, "Oh, we we figure out ways around it. We're going to focus more on practice. We're going to focus more on figuring out things in training camp and whatnot." But you you have to think you have to think uh, preseason is not. Uh, Preseason, though the atmosphere and everything, you're you're not uh, you don't get the same sort of atmosphere. You don't get the same sort of uh, you know. Of course, it's not as big as the regular season, of course, but you're not going to get those game time type situations in a scrimmage or in, you know, in in practice drills or whatnot. You might get in a scrimmage to an extent, but not nearly to the level as you would get in an actual full-fledged preseason game. So the two big questions that have to be raised if that happens are, first, does it impact uh, you know, first off, does it impact, uh, you know, um, how play, players play in the regular season, especially the rookies? That's, and the second is, does it impact how teams play on a chemistry level? Because not only do you have to get the the rookies and your new players acclimated to the system, but also you have to, you know, get the the chemistry down. 
and you know we kind of saw it last year. You did have only you did only have two preseason preseason games last season, so you, you kind of saw it happening last year. Um, but it's going to be different this year. It's definitely going to be different. Uh, and it, it it's going to be interesting to see one how this plays out overall. And two, how it impacts um, the league moving forward when, you know, when, uh, you know, when uh, things start, you know, moving forward, you know, when will this make, uh, when will this make leagues, or excuse me, when will this change into the not just the full time thing, but also when, how long will it take for them to move up to eighteen games? So that's going to be the big question uh, that's going to be the big question that's the big question for me is how long does it take, especially if this works? How long does it take before uh, before the league opens up to even more? How long does it take before um, the it, it gets to 18 games? So that's going to be the big question. Like I said, it's been 16 games since 1978. It's been the longest stretch without a change in NFL history. But I have a feeling that with this 17 game, if it works, it's going to quickly move to 18 because that's what people have been talking about for years now is 18 games. So I think this is going to be kind of a test run. I doubt we're going to go back to 16, but I I don't think it's going to take very long for it to go up to 18 games. Still waiting on Antonio Gaines may, uh, may have some communication errors or, or something with him. Waiting to hear back from him on uh, waiting to hear back from him on when he's joining uh, us or if he's still able to join us this morning. Uh, so with that being said, we'll move on to a few other talking points. Uh, we'll college ranks uh, real quick. Talk about a few other things a few other things around the college ranks. Uh, first on the basketball court, uh, there have been a few coaching changes this week. Uh, Shaka Smart leaving Texas to become the new Marquette head coach where he played. Uh, that's a big move for the, for the Golden Eagles uh, and a big blow for, for Texas. You know, Shaka Smart hasn't quite gotten the the Longhorns where they wanted to be since they're leaving VCU. But, you know, now moving to Marquette and moving to his alma mater, that's going to be big. Uh, And that's big for the Big East. That's going to be, you know, Marquette, you know, in the old Big East prior to the split up, Marquette was always a pretty good program was always towards the the at least the upper mid of the conference and seemed to always make it to the tournament. But then ever since the the new Big East started, 
they've been kind of more of the lower mid teams in the conference, and it's kind of surprising to see them drop so far. But now, with Chaka Smart at the helm, I think you'll see a resurgence for the Golden Eagles. Uh, Texas, uh, after losing Smart, quickly replaced him uh, with Texas Tech's Chris Beard. So one Texas coach moving from one side of the state to the other uh, and joining the Longhorns. He should be able to help out the Longhorns a little bit. Now now we have to wait to see who who Texas Tech gets to replace him. Uh, and the coaching carousel continues. We all know how it is. Uh, and on on another side, another Big East coaching addition, Tony Stubblefield from Oregon signed as the new DePaul head coach. Uh, and he's gonna have some. He's gonna have some problems. He he has a long uphill battle to climb in Chicago. Because DePaul, they've been for a long, long time, and they've had a few coaches over the years try to rebuild that program. But for a long time, they've been the cellar dweller of the Big East. And, you know, there have been some teams that have gone from towards the bottom to near the top. You know, Cian Hall is one big one, my alma mater. You know, they were a lower mid to lower end program, uh, you know, but Kevin Willard has done a great job building the Pirates up. And, you know, they won the Big East tournament a few years ago. They probably would have made at least a decent bit of a run in the NCAA tournament last year if it weren't, have been, if it hadn't have been canceled. Uh, but, yeah, this... Uh, this was not uh this, this is not DePaul. Right? Cian Hall was not DePaul. DePaul for over a decade now has been the has been the cellar dweller laughing stock of the of the Big East. And it's gonna take a lot for them to change that trend and to cha- and for them to change uh that trajectory. So good luck to Tony Stubblefield. He's going to need it. Uh, a few other, well, the one big uh, college basketball uh, note that came out yesterday, uh, the big news that came out yesterday, the legendary Roy Williams signed the call it quits hanging it up for good and retiring from North Carolina. Uh, You know, Roy Williams, legendary head coach at North Carolina for the Tar Heels. Um, You know, he he won three national championships, uh, you know, made to nine final fours. Won nine ACC regular season championships, the ACC tournament. Uh, you know, you know, even before he got to North Carolina, he was great at Kansas. 
won three Big 12 tournaments, four Big 12 regular season championships. So, he, you know, he's been he's been great. You know, he had five Big 8 regular season championships. So, and and one Big 8 tournament championship in 92. He's been great. He's been around for so long. Definitely, you got to consider him one of the greatest, if not the greatest. You know, Coach K may have something to say about this. But Roy Williams and Coach K, definitely, you know, two of the best uh, coaches uh, of all time. So, he's, uh, you know, he's been there for a long time. He's done a great job over there. So, yeah, you know, good Good, good luck. You know, ha, ha, enjoy your retirement, Coach K. Uh, you know, you uh, you deserve it, and uh, yeah, it's it, it, it's going to be fun to see, uh, or it's going to be very interesting to see, um, who ends up taking that spot as the Tar Heels' new head coach. Obviously, one of the biggest programs, biggest, uh, you know, most prestigious programs in college basketball, them along with Duke and Kentucky and UCLA. You know, we talk about UCLA, them making it to the Final Four as an 11 seed, which is still crazy to think about. But them... You know, Roy Williams has, like I said, has to be considered one of the best head coaches in college basketball history. And so it's going to be, it's sad to see him go. It's definitely sad to see him go. Uh, And, you know, it's going to be, like I said, it's going to be very interesting to see who they get to replace him because he's one of those guys that been there for so long. He's synonymous with North Carolina basketball now. And you, know, you still have coach K on the other side. You have, you still have Mike Krzyzewski on the other side at Duke. And he's going to try to tear you up as the new head coach at North Carolina. And and you know you know the old saying. You you never want to be the replacement to the legend because you're always going to be compared to them. And so they're gonna have to find someone that has some thick skin to come into that coaching role. So that it's gonna be a tough hill. I'm sure North Carolina will find a suitable head coach. But that's going to be something to really watch out for. One final college note uh, real quick. And then then we'll probably take a quick break in just a second. Uh, 
Clemson as their spring game, the orange and white spring game uh, on Saturday, well, tomorrow. And that, it, it should be, you know, spring games are always fun. It's, you know, it's not really competitive. You're, you know, it's basically a glorified scrimmage. But it's always fun to watch. It's always fun to see, you know, some of the up-and-coming players for each team or, you know, for each team going into the, uh, going into the right, into the uh, off season and heading into the summer and, and preseason and all of that. Um, a few guys to really keep an eye on, you know, uh, one player who's going to be starting for the white team or who will be playing for the white team, uh, red shirt freshman, from Hartsville, DeMonte Capehart, defensive lineman, defensive tackle. Uh, should be interesting to see if he makes it to the team this year and, uh, and will, uh, you know, if he'll have any impact on this team uh, this season. Another local guy to keep an eye on uh, who finished his career uh, at IMG but is still a uh, did play for uh, Hartsville prior to uh, or excuse me not for Hartsville excuse me for um, for Wilson prior to, or excuse me, I was right, he did play for Hartsville prior to uh, going to IMG is, uh, or no, excuse me, that, um, DeMonte Capehart played for IMG prior, um, prior to his senior, or for his senior year, uh, before moving on, um, but another player who also played for IMG, but, um, Played for a, another. Played uh, for West Florence before. Uh, or excuse me, played for Wilson before uh, moving to IMG was Xavier Thomas. He's a redshirt senior, uh, and he'll be coming back. Uh, thought about going for the NFL draft, but decided to come back. For his senior season, or me, he's a regular senior, but we'll be coming back for his senior season uh, this year. He's another guy. He's another local guy to keep an eye on. Uh, from originally played for Wilson, uh, and so he should be one to keep an eye on for as well. And then one other final local guy uh, that should be fun to watch is Andrew Roberts from Ainer. And, you know, he'll he'll be coming in. He's a uh, redshirt junior, and he should be able to give the, uh, the Tigers some more, uh, some more uh, beef up front, an offensive lineman. Matt Cranford from Hartsville 
he is a redshirt sophomore, he will also be uh those three will all be playing on the orange team. Uh and so they will uh it'll be interesting to see how, how each of them do. It it's gonna be a fun little uh fun little showcase, fun little scrimmage. You know, that's what the spring games are. They're they're just fun games to watch. Uh see, you know, how some of the some of your players are uh are doing and and see how the team looks, especially with some big pieces missing now. Obviously Trevor Lawrence uh gone. Um you know, you have a few other pieces that are leaving either through graduation and or uh going into the NFL draft. So Clemson has always been good at rebuilding and and even when some top talent players leave, uh, they're able to just fill those gaps. Just next man up. That's always been Clemson's philosophy. That's always been Alabama's philosophy. Just next man up, and they do a great job of it. So it's going to be fun to see how this team looks uh, in the spring game tomorrow. One other final uh, college football note, and this was a, a surprising one, Chattanooga, and I understand they had some COVID issues. They had a bunch of players that were uh, out and, you know, uh, and that's the main reason why they did this. But Chattanooga opt out, has opted out of the remainder of the FCS season. They were 3-1 and one in SoCon play. They were playing very well. Looked like they could make a run to the uh, FCS tournament. But they decided to opt out, decided to uh, hang them up, and look forward to next fall. And that's something, you know, I was reading some articles about uh, their decision and whatnot, and and some people thinking that some other programs should maybe follow suit. And I I understand why the FCS did, even though now looking back on on and in hindsight it would have made too much of a difference really if they would have played in the fall as compared to them playing in the spring now. But you have to wonder if other programs don't see what Chattanooga has done and said, is it really worth it to play this spring season, this abbreviated spring season, especially when you have to then immediately turn right back around and play a full season next year in the fall. And now I've said a couple of times on, on this show that I think maybe the FCS may want to consider if this, if they want to, uh, you know, if if they want to potentially push, you know, push the FCS season to the spring, just because it may help in recruiting. But I kind of doubt that's going to happen. So assuming that doesn't happen which I don't think it will, you have to wonder, how much is this abbreviated season really worth? And But see, at the same time, especially for programs that may not necessarily be making the playoffs, 
you know, you're probably not making the playoffs. You're not. You're probably not making a national championship run. What I would be doing right now, if I were a, an FCS program, if I were an FCS head coach right now, I would be playing the guy that I'm looking to see some improvement for next season. You know, basically use this. You know, they'd be doing spring practice right now, even if they were playing in the fall. So basically use these games as a glorified spring practice. But at the same time, you have that atmosphere and you have the intensity of a full game, and and thus it could be even better than a spring practice. And some coaches have said this already. Some coaches have said, you know, I'm using this as a way to evaluate my team and see where where my team is for next season and getting some of my younger guys that I want to utilize next year, get them some reps, get them some playing time. That's exactly what you need to be doing right now uh, as an FCS head coach. Use this time to build, you know, build your program for next year. I mean, of course, if you're one of the top teams in the country and you want to win a national championship, go for it. But uh, I think a lot of teams should be using this time to prepare for next season. That's just my opinion. That's my thoughts on this. Is, you know, yes, still play like, you know, the games really matter because they do. But at the same time, this could also be a way to prepare for next season. So that'll just about uh, wrap it up for me, um, on at least on this part. Unfortunately, uh, did not, haven't heard back from Antonio Gaines. Not sure what happened, uh, but it does not appear as though he will be joining us this morning. Uh, but if he wants to call in for the last half hour, he certainly can. Uh, and if you're listening, Antonio, if you forgot the number, 323-784-9681 is that number to call that number again, 323-784-9681. Even if you're not Antonio Gaines, if you're another uh, student athlete, if you're a fan, if you're a listener, what have you, if if you want to call on in, if you want to talk anything sports-related, pro, college, high school, what have you, Call on in. This is your time to uh, talk to me. I'll have the phone line wide open for the final half hour. Uh, so I'll be right back here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central.
Welcome back to Sports Unlimited right here on Southern Sports Central. My name is Brandon Biscobing, and for the last half hour, phone lines are wide open for you guys to call in, so be sure to call in. 323-784-9681 is that number to call. That number again, 323-784-9681. And before I wrap things up and and give you my final thoughts, I just wanted to uh, – I, I, purposely wait on playing that song for my break uh until now because i don't know if you guys have seen it uh but th- this whole thing with with Lil Nas X and and the the quote unquote Saiyan shoes and and all of that you know and it's gotten even crazier apparently uh Nike has you know uh and, and this came out yesterday. Uh, Nike has put in a, a restraining order against them because apparently, um, you know, what he's been using, you know, he's been using Nike shoes, but then modifying them and, and selling them. Um, and, and this whole thing, people getting up in an uproar over this whole thing, it's. I I understand people, you know, get, you know, getting getting an uproar over things like this. Um but come on. It you know, playing a gimmick. You know, we 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 talk a lot about uh, you know, this being the NWO of, of sports talk radio and and all of this uh, and you know we we talk you know I've talked pro wrestling on this show before and whatnot and you know you know both Richie and I are are pro wrestling fans. My thought has always been before you are able to comment on anything uh, pop culture related or entertainment related, 
you have to have a a beginner's course in pro wrestling because especially in the music industry i feel you know from you know guys like Marilyn Manson and Ozzy Osbourne you know now Lil Nas so many people you know are are playing a gimmick that's what he's doing. He's playing a gimmick, and and he's he's following the the old adage that has been true for so long, and it and it's true in sports, it's true in the entertainment field, it's true in business, it's true everywhere. It seems, and that's this: controversy creates cash. You know how many people who, you know, didn't know who Lil Nas was or, you know, barely paid attention to him or whatnot are now talking to him. Yeah, I I play, you know, Old Town Road a bunch. You know, know, I use it as a filler every now and again. But, you know, I would never be talking about him on the show without that. Without this happening, you know, it's getting people talking about him, and that's exactly what he wants. He don't care about the, you know, he he doesn't care about the the bad publicity. Any, you know, he's following the philosophy of any publicity is good publicity, and for the most part, he's right. You know, yeah, I get that. You know, it's getting a lot of people up in an uproar, especially considering he's he's done, you know, like Old Town Road, he's done some country rap. So, you know, it's it's hitting a nerve on on those that group. But it, it's a gimmick, people. If you don't want to buy the shoes, don't buy the shoes. You know, but he's by by you talking about it and you getting in an uproar about it, he's getting exactly what he wants. He he's he's using this as a way to get more attention on himself, which he's succeeded in. And even if the shoes are, you know, banned, you know, by by Nike, they they put a copyright infringement suit on him and and all of this, you know, and 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 made it, you know, get a, got a restraining order against the shoes. And yeah, they're gonna stop now, but they're gonna. You know, this has blown his stock up so much, and it has gotten him recognized by a lot of people that may not have paid attention to him. And you know, even if they're talking bad about him, it may very well help him. So it it it's. It's something that, you know, that it's just something that, you know, you have to expect and and you have to understand why it's happening. So that that those are my thoughts uh on on that whole thing. I just wanted, you know, I've been seeing it all week and people talking about it and I just thought, you know, since I use it as a, you know, as a bridge a lot of times, you know, I, I should probably talk about it. So, and I, I will never stop uh, playing it because, you know, 
if anything, it makes me want to do it even more, play it even more. So that's just my thoughts on on the matter. Um, you know, so we got about a little over 20 minutes left on the show. Uh, if you guys want to call on in, if you guys want to get your thoughts on anything, be sure to do so. Three two three seven eight four nine six eight one is that number to call. That number again: three two three seven eight four nine six eight one. Unfortunately, I'm, I'm very I'm disappointed that we didn't, weren't able to get Antonio Gaines in here uh, this week. May try to uh, talk to him. May try to see if we can reschedule it for next week uh, because you know he's uh. There, there's a lot of things to talk about with him, not just him going to Charlotte and, and joining back up with Coach Parks over at Charlotte, who is now, he was the Ridgeview head coach, now over at uh, now over at Charlotte as the wide receivers coach. But also, he still has a year left. He still has a year left at Ridgeview and uh, definitely wanted to get his thoughts on things uh, Get, get his thoughts on Derek Howard taking over, uh, and and see you know uh, how how Derek Howard has been adjusting and what he thinks of the new regime over there, and and get his expectations on this upcoming season. So a lot of things to talk about with him. Like I mentioned, hopefully try to get him on next week. Uh, since there's been some sort of issue this week, uh, but we'll keep you up to date on all of that uh, next week. Run down a quick recap of uh, some of the things we talked about this morning. Uh, big storyline this week, of course, is the final four. Uh on the women's side, South Ca- starts tonight. South Carolina Stanford, I think South Carolina win that one. Arizona and UConn, UConn I think will win that one. And I, you know, Lou and I talked about it earlier about what we thought uh, South Carolina needed to do in order to beat UConn. And I'm just gonna say right now, I think it's gonna be a very uphill battle for South Carolina. Uh, if even if, you know, I think they'll make it to the to the championship game, but I think UConn will will have it. We'll have that one uh, on the men's side. You got number two Houston against number one Baylor. I think Baylor's gonna win that one. And my big upset pick for the Final Four, and and Lou disagreed with me. Uh, he think he you know well he's had Gonzaga winning it all from the beginning, so. Uh, not really surprising that he stuck with his pick there, but you know, I I think I get I think UCLA, especially with how strong their defense is, I think they have enough to be able to potentially win win that game. I'm picking UCLA for the upset. I know it's shocking, and and I think that's one of the lowest seeds we've ever seen make it to a national championship game in in NCAA tournament history. But 
but I think I but I I could see it. I I honestly do think that that is possible to see. I'm actually gonna look that up. Uh, let's see this. So the lowest seed to make a final four. The lowest final four seeds. Yeah, the lowest final four seeds in in NCAA tournament history. Uh, This would... If UCLA were able to beat Gonzaga, they would be the lowest seed uh, to ever make it to the national championship. Currently, the lowest lowest seed to make it to a national championship is is the eighth seed, and it's happened four, three times. Villanova did it in 1985. And then proceeded to beat Georgetown 66-64 in the national championship game. And that, you know, we all know about that one, especially those of us who uh, are from the Northeast. That's what, that was the national championship that really put the Big East on the map. Uh, If you guys have watched the Requiem for the Big East, it talks about that game a lot. Great. 30 for 30, by the way. Uh, And then it's happened two other times, but those two teams did not win the national championship. Butler in 2011 lost to UConn, and Kentucky in 2014 also lost to UConn. So, you know, those are the only teams that have ever made it to the national championship as an eight seed or under. And Villanova won in 85. Gonzaga is looking to be the lowest seed to ever make it to the national championship game. And I think it can happen. Personally. I I think it can happen. It's going to be an uphill battle. But I I do think that uh, Gonzaga, or excuse me, that UCLA does have enough to be able to now whether or not they do it is a different story. Uh, some of the other stuff we talked about this morning, uh, you know, obviously Roy Williams retiring, big story there. Uh, you know, legendary head coach, and now the big question is moving forward: Who do the the Tar Heels get? to replace him. Do, you know, I I honestly don't know. I honestly don't know who they get to replace him. Like I said, whoever replaces him is going to have a big, big chip on their shoulder. Because they're going to have to live up to the legacy of Roy Williams. There are certain jobs in coaching that I don't think anyone could properly handle or you have to have incredibly thick skin to take over that job 
Roy Williams is one of them. In college basketball, you have Roy Williams, you got Mike Krzyzewski, you got John Calipari. Those are those are the main three, and then. Those are the big four that whoever replaces them are going to have the weight of the world on their shoulders. In college football, you've got Nick Saban, you've got Dabo Sweeney. And I, I'd have to say, at least currently, those are the only two. In the NFL, you've got Bill Belichick. He's going to be the one that you know, when when he retires, whoever takes over in New England is going to have the weight of the world on their shoulders. In the NBA, you've got Greg Popovich. You know, whoever takes over in San Antonio when he decides to hang him up, that's going to be the tough a tough job to take care of. In the in the MLB right now, there really aren't that many huge jobs that you know a a coach has been there long enough to say, okay, this is going to be one of those jobs that you know you're going to need to uh, that that you're going to need to make sure of, or that you're going to need to you know make sure you have it. Thick, thick skin. So, you know that that's going to be the big uh, the the big key there. So, you know, it, it, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see who uh, the Tar Heels decide to get. Uh, but, you know, of Roy Williams, you definitely have to put in there. As one of the top, I don't think you could say he's the greatest of all time in college basketball. There are just too many names uh, to talk about, not just currently, but in the history of college basketball, to say that he's the he he's one of them, but he's probably not the greatest of all time. But still, a a very a an incredible career for Williams. And you know, it you know it it's gonna be sad to see him go, definitely. And you know, it. Now the the interesting question that I have, and of course, and I probably not just because, you know, he's uh, you know, he has a connection to Marquette, so there's a reason for why he went to Marquette. But if Shaka Smart hadn't have signed with Marquette, could he have potentially been a name to go to North Carolina? I'm just going to run off a few names. I, I, there are a couple of names that are popping into my head, potentially see, you know, potentially decide to go somewhere. You know, Shockham Smart went to Marquette already, so I don't think that's going to be happening. Could you see, you know, because in terms of pay, you know, I like I don't know, I don't know where he would get paid more. I don't know where you would have less pressure 
because both are blue blood, you know, blue blood teams and, and fan bases have very high expectations and everything. Would you potentially see Brad Stevens say, I'll go after the North Carolina job? He came up when it came to the Indiana job, which is a similarly high high level program and he's already been in Indiana and everything and he said no. So the likelihood that North Carolina is any different now granted, North Carolina has been better more recently than Indiana. But I don't think Brad Stevens would go to North Carolina. Probably not. But you never know. You know, but that's that's a question is could the Tar Heels potentially convince someone from the NBA to leave to come coach the Tar Heels? It, it it's a it's an unknown question. It, it's an unknown answer. It's a, it's it's an interesting question. Uh but I don't know if if there's enough in college now for that to happen. So that's that's one place that you could potentially be looking for a head coach. Obviously, there are a ton of other places that you could potentially look. A lot of people have brought up a couple of North Carolina alum that are, you know, either in the coaching realm right now or could potentially consider coming into coach. So there there's a lot of question marks. And it's gonna be a fun little uh gonna be a fun journey to see who they get to come in there. Uh you know, that that'll just about wrap it up for me this morning. Um, like I mentioned, you know, a bunch of things going on this weekend. Obviously, Final Four going on this weekend is a big story. Baseball starting up, uh, opening day yesterday. You got NBA still going on. You've got spring games. It's just a fun time to be a sports fan right now. Lots of things going on. Uh, but, unfortunately, and and we'll still have things to cover. We'll have, you know, pra- summer practice, stuff like that. But we are slowly, slowly, and, you know, it's not it's not going to be a bad. I mean, last year at this point, we didn't have any sports. So be thankful for what we do have, of course. But we are slowly starting to creep towards the dog days of summer when, you know, uh, obviously, we'll have uh, basketball um, going on until June. Hockey will be going on until June. Talk, you know, NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs during June. But we are starting to head towards that point of no, you know, outside of baseball, no sports going on. But this year, and this is thanks to the pandemic. This year, we will have Olympics to talk about. So we'll have some Olympic coverage for you right here on Sports Unlimited. Uh, And then 
during that time while we talk about Olympics, we'll also have, uh, you know, previews for, you know, high school football, college football, a bunch of things going on. Uh, you know, the draft is coming up fairly soon. Uh, so, yeah, just have a lot of fun things to talk about, a lot of fun things to cover. You know, like we always say, the sports world outside of last year, of course. But the the sports world may slow down at certain parts of the year. But it never truly ends. It never truly uh, goes away. And that's one uh, that that's one thing about it. That's one fun thing about covering sports. That's one of the things about sports that's better than just about any other entertainment product is that it's never ending. You know, if if you're into TV shows and whatnot, you know, there's an end to a season and then it stops for you know five or six months or however long it decides to stop for. Sports, sports doesn't do that. Sports continues and continues uh, throughout the year. Uh, and, of course, if you're a fan of a certain sport above all else, then you kind of have an off season. But, but outside of that, you don't really have uh, – you don't have an official off season. Overall, overall, obviously each sport has an off season. Each sport has its own separate off season, but that's it. So that'll just about wrap it up for me this morning. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Once again, uh, apologies for not having Antonio Gaines coming on. Was really looking forward to talking to him uh, this morning, but unfortunately, I. I'm guessing something came up or some miscommunication on our part. Maybe thought it was at night. Uh, but I will work on that throughout this week to try to get him back on the show and get him uh, back in here next week. So that was just about wrapping up for me this morning. I'm Brandon Miskaving. Thanks. So long, and I will talk to you guys next week with Force Force Unlimited right here on Southern Sports Network. So long, everyone.